Now, we're um, taking a pause in our sermon series in Luke's Gospel uh, today um, to think about Halloween, obviously Halloween uh, tomorrow night. And Halloween, you probably notice, is getting more and more popular uh, here in the UK year by year. Did you know that back in 2001, about 12 million pounds was spent in the UK uh, celebrating Halloween? I guess what the estimates are for how much the UK is going to spend this year. 687 million pounds. Right, almost three quarters of a billion pounds. That's a 60-fold increase. Halloween is now rivaling Easter as the second most popular holiday here in the UK. I don't know if that surprises you or not. And everyone seems to be getting in on it. I'm not sure if you go to the cinema up on Angel View Cinema. A film was released on Friday called Pray for the Devil. Pray, P-R-E-Y, not P-R-A-Y. Right? Hunt down and kill something. This sounds a gruesome film. I'm not sure if we're going to see it or not. Um, that someone was telling me about the Saw experience that is being released in Tower of London to coincide with Halloween, described as some fear-mongering, bone-chilling escape room. I know some of you have been invited to Halloween parties last night. Um, parents, families might be going trick-or-treating tomorrow. And I, I wonder what you make of it. Like the, the surge in popularity in Halloween, year by year, and... Should we be involved? How much should we be involved? What is a good church response to all this? I wonder what you think as you come this evening, knowing it's on angel and demons, the reality behind Halloween, where you're coming from. And I imagine there's a whole range of opinion here. Um, some people think that Halloween has actually come from a, a pagan festival, at Sarween, in the ninth century, and about warding off evil spirits, and therefore Christians should have nothing uh, to do with it. Others think that Halloween has actually come from All Hallows' Eve, that's where the, the name, back in the fourth century, um, and a Christian celebration of Christ's victory over the darkness. And so, yes, let's celebrate it uh, again, uh, and rightly, at this time of year. Um, others just think it's a money-making scheme, hence the 12 million to 687 million, all very commercialized, bit of harmless fun. Uh, we can go out and meet some friends and neighbors. A whole range of views. And I imagine that's held here this afternoon. But what I want us to do with our time together is something that I think is far more important and far more fundamental. And that is to consider what the Bible teaches about what is going on behind Halloween, the reality behind it all. In particular, a spiritual realm a realm you and I cannot see, and yet a realm that we have to be absolutely aware of if we're going to make sense of our lives and of this world. Okay, and for that, we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. One of the big themes in Ephesians is the spiritual realm, the heavenly places, this very famous passage, the armor of God, which, should you notice, speaks of the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What is this? What is going on? How do we make sense of it? two really key things for us all to be aware of in light of Halloween tomorrow night. First, the devil is real and is at war with us. Devil's real, he's at war with us. Glance down with me at verse 10. It's on page 1177 if you want to follow along with the church uh, in the church Bibles. Finally, the end of this letter be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Here's the key command. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand 
against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not only against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, I put it to you that these are some of the most important verses in the Bible for us right now as a culture. And yet these are probably some of the most ridiculed verses in the Bible right now. Important verses because they teach us that the world around us, well, there's more to life and reality than just what we can see, than what just can be measured scientifically. These verses begin to speak about the origin of evil, about the history of the world, what's going on in the world right now. These verses tell us that you can have no certain hope for the future if you are not really engaging with what is being described here. These are really important verses, and yet often ridicule the thought of the devil, what red suit, horns, spear. Many people today, outside the church, and sometimes inside the church, are losing sight of this spiritual reality, this spiritual realm. Very few people believe in the supernatural anymore. Science explains everything. We are masters of our own fate. Seeing is believing. But here is the problem with that. How can we fight an enemy that we don't even realize exists? A friend of mine just this past week shared the tragic news that her father had contracted cancer, been diagnosed with cancer. And one of the horrors of cancer, particularly pancreatic cancer, is the symptoms don't show themselves until it's in its very advanced stages. And so here's this person with this enemy that's at war with them, destroying cell by cell in their body. And there's nothing they can do about it. They can't fight it because they're not aware of it. And only when the symptoms do show themselves in the advanced stages, can, but it's by then it's too late. And survival rates with pancreatic cancer are very low. God gives us these verses so that we can be absolutely sure who our spiritual enemy is. That we have an enemy that is at war with us, whether we call ourselves Christians here today or not. And so we do fight this enemy, not leaving it too late, but fighting in the armor that God uniquely provides. The Bible begins in the book of Genesis. Who do we meet in chapter 3? the devil, tempting humanity to sin. Adam and Eve had everything, paradise. And what does the devil do? Did God really say, undermining God's truthfulness? Oh, if you take this fruit, you know, from the, eat from the tree of the good and evil, your eyes will be opened, undermining the goodness of God. And he succeeds. And humanity falls into sin. And relationship with God is broken, each other, the world. That is the start. You go to the end of the Bible, Revelation 12. Who do we meet there? The devil, again, who is described as leading the world astray. Who is described as heaping accusations on the church and every Christian believer day and night. 
And then you get to the heart of the Bible's message, the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. To bring salvation to humanity, to restore relationship with God. And who does he meet right before he starts his ministry? The devil. Who tempts him to not go to the cross and not save humanity. The beginning, end, middle, Jesus describes the devil as a liar, a murderer, a deceiver, an accuser, the evil one, the prince of this world, the enemy. Be under no illusion, the devil is real. And he is at war with us. Verse 11 describes his schemes against us. Verse 12 describes our struggle. That is from the language of the wrestler, one-on-one combat. There's something every individual person is involved in. Verse 16 describes the flaming arrows of the evil one raining down upon us at all times. A temptation after temptation after temptation until you give in. And then when you do give in and you give in to sin, it's accusation after accusation after accusation until the burden of guilt and shame crushes us. Persecution after persecution after persecution until all hope is gone. Doubt after doubt after doubt until you even stop believing. (laughs) You even realize the spiritual battle we're in. In his book, The Screwtape Letters, fantastic book, C.S. Lewis writes from the viewpoint of a senior demon giving advice to his younger nephew demon on how to tempt people away from God, the triune God of the Bible. And so they call God here the enemy. Okay, bear that in mind as you listen to these words. But do remember, the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the person from the enemy. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the person away from the light, Jesus, and out into the nothing. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. And that is what the devil is trying to do with every single one of us. This gradual road to hell in the safest way possible so that you aren't even aware of it. The greatest trick the devil's ever pulled is convincing the world He does not exist. So, can I ask, are you aware of this? Are you aware of this spiritual battle? Are you fighting this battle in the strength God uniquely provides? Or do you still think that talk of the devil in the spiritual realm is not something of a joke? Or something we don't have to take that seriously as Christians? Back at school, I remember one of my history GCSE classes, we were shown a video of the start of World War II. There's some debate about whether this uh, video is a genuine footage or if it was Nazi propaganda. But basically, as we watched it on the screen, you could see uh, Hitler's tanks rolling into Poland to wage war. And on the other side of the screen, you could see the Polish army come out as well, but clearly they didn't have the same resources, the same money. And so some of them were on horseback, 
but most of them are carrying spears or lances, and in some cases, some rocks. So if they're fighting a battle, you know, a different type of battle. And you will look at the screen, you're just thinking, my goodness, I mean, the, the Polish army are being brave. It's utterly hopeless. Their weapons, no match for this enemy. And it's a complete massacre. So it will be if we are not aware of the spiritual battle we are in. If we do not fight with the right resources. If we think we can go through life in our own strength, in our own wisdom, thinking that we know what's best, as if the spears and rocks of our self-reliance are any match for the devil's tanks. And it will be a massacre. The safest road to hell is the gradual one. The devil is real. He's at war with us all the time. Right now, when you're on holiday, good times and bad, on your wedding day. The best day in your life, this war is real. Secondly, put on the full armor of God so we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. If one danger, when it comes to the devil and his spiritual forces of evil, if one danger is to think they're not real, to not believe in them, an equal and opposite danger is to worry about the devil and his, his spiritual force too much. And so to live in fear and to live in constant anxiety and despair of what may happen to you. And you might be thinking after this first point, oh my goodness. But did you notice the tone of this passage was one of confidence and strength and hope? The devil and the spiritual force of it, they only get mentioned in one or two verses. The rest of it is about be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God, and you can take your stand. Four times we're told to stand, verse 11, twice in verse 13, verse 14. We can stand in the victory that Christ has won for us and be completely immune to the devil's attacks. Extinguish every single one of those flaming arrows with the shield of faith. Nothing to worry about. The devil is no more than a created being. A very powerful created being, absolutely, but a created being nevertheless, an angel who rebelled against God. And so his power is limited and finite. Jesus Christ is the perfect son of God, omnipotent, and whose power knows no limits. In chapter 1 of Ephesians, we're told that he has been raised from the dead and seated far above all ruler, power, authority, dominion, not just in this age, but in the age to come. He is supreme in the good sense of the word. Jesus Christ has paid for sin, he's defeated death, he's disarmed the rulers and authorities on the cross. Chapter three talks about that same power of Christ at work in us. Chapter six says that power is available to us all the time if we put on the full armor of God. So how do we do it? Because this is what we all need to do. Let's look at each of the six pieces of armor and apply this to us today. First, the belt of truth in verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth 
buckled round your waist. What is one of the devil's main tactics? Lies. He's lying to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Lying about God's truthfulness, lying about God's goodness. God is not there. God does not care. And if you think God's real, he does not love you. You're worthless. This world is all there is. The devil's a joke. The spiritual realm, they're all lies. And how do you defeat lies? How do you expose them only with the truth? And what has God given us here? The truth that we need to withstand every one of the devil's lies. This book is no ordinary book. This is God's book. This is God's revelation to humanity. It is all here. And so every day, we're going to be immersing ourselves in God's word. No truth. And this is our authority not our feelings, not the opinion of others, but what God's word says. Buckle on the belt of truth. You'll know right from wrong, good from evil. You'll know how to live life. This is it. Secondly, the breastplate of righteousness. What is another one of the devil's main tactics? Accusation. You fall into sin and you call yourself a Christian. And you think God's going to forgive you this time. You should be ashamed of yourself. And you feel the guilt and you feel the shame. And maybe we're tempted to seek our own right. God, the devil loves to make us feel distance between us and God. But there is never any distance between us and God if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Because Christ's perfect righteousness is yours. If you're a follower, you've got it. He's dealt with sin. He's giving you his righteousness. And so God looks on you, delights in you, rejoices in you, even in your worst moment as you're repenting and trusting in him, his smile always upon you. And we need to remind ourselves of this and each other every day. So make sure we are wearing that best plate of righteousness to fight the accusation of the devil and have full assurance of faith. Thirdly, the gospel of peace on our feet. Jesus says the devil is a, a liar, a murderer. Death and destruction. He is delighting what's happening in Ukraine at the moment. Political chaos in this country. Two, three prime ministers in two months, five in six years, rubbing his hands with glee. We long for world peace. Long for it. But if we think it's going to come purely through political maneuvering, diplomacy, better education, we are setting ourselves up to fail. Because we must never forget the spiritual dimension that is at play too with the devil's schemes. And so true peace is only going to come between humanity and God and therefore between nations and each other through the gospel of peace through us, fitting our feet with it, going out into our neighbours and workplaces and speaking the good news of Jesus Christ and setting people free from the hold of the devil on their lives, showing them the spiritual warfare that is real, that is happening and helping them to put on the armour of God too. Fourthly, the shield of faith. There's this wonderful moment in the Old Testament. 2 Kings um, 
chapter 6, and we'll have the verse come up here, where Elisha and his servant are facing down this army, and Elisha's servant like starts to panic, and he's like, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, don't worry, there are more of us than them. And Elisha's servant like, what are you talking about? There are two of us, and there's a whole army out there. And so Elisha then prays, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And the Lord does open his eyes. And suddenly he can see the unseen realm, the spiritual realm. And he sees all these um, chariots of fire and horses and this angelic army protecting them and on their side. Would we have eyes to see? Lord, open the eyes of our hearts so we may be enlightened to believe the spiritual realm that we cannot see with our physical eyes. And so take up our shield of faith. And so live life not in our own strength, trusting in ourselves, but in you. And then fighting the spiritual battle with spiritual resources and the ones that God uniquely provides in his armor. That's what we need to do day by day. Faith in Christ, faith trusting him, not ourselves. Fifthly, the helmet of salvation. The devil loves to make us doubt our salvation, be complacent with our salvation, not make every effort with our salvation, makes us think we can save ourselves, don't need saving, or that there are many ways of salvation, many ways to get to God. Lies, lies, lies. There is only one means of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. He's the only one. He's the only person in history who has paid for sin. He's the only one who has defeated death. He is the only one who's disarmed the rulers and powers and authorities. And we need to receive that salvation by faith and every day remind ourselves of this truth in full assurance of faith and then work it out in our lives every single day. Put on the helmet of salvation. You're totally safe from the devil's lies. Finally, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Interesting how it comes back again. Um, to the word of God, the belt of truth. In, one, in many ways, these six pieces of armor are all aspects of the gospel, the truth about Jesus Christ. But look, each day we're proactively trying to live out God's will, despite the devil's temptations not to. How does Jesus resist the devil in the wilderness? It is written. It is written. It is written. Keeps quoting scripture. <laughs> That's how we fight the devils, either fight the temptations with God's word so immersed in us. We've just got it there. We've just got it there. We know it. What temptations are you facing right now? Gossiping, lying, grumbling, complaining, clicking on that website, your miserlessness, can't even say it, not generous with your money. Where's the temptation? This, God's will, it, this is true. This is good. This is living and active. It is sharp and a two-edged sword. It will cut through. It's lies and temptations and give you victory in your walk with Christ. Putting on the full armor of God. Look, and if that's not enough, we need to do it all through prayer. Did you notice that in verse 18? Don't miss that verse. Notice the word all in verse 18. And pray in the spirit 
on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Because we need God's power, we need God's help, we need God's strength even to put this armor on. Living each day in the gospel, living each day in prayer, living each day according to God's word. This is what it means to put on the full armor of God. Let me ask, are you wearing it now? As you came to church this afternoon, were you thinking to yourself, I'm in a spiritual battle, I need to put on the full armor of God? Are you fighting this? Are you fighting right now in the sermon? Are you listening? Are you drifting off? Are you thinking, oh, I'm not too sure. Do I believe this? Why don't I believe? I, this is matters. How's your prayer life going? Are you signed up for this Wednesday at the prayer gathering? We need to help each other put on the full armor of God, and then we'll be protected as a church. God has given us everything we need here. He provides the armor. He even gives us the power to put it on. But we still have the responsibility to put it on. <laughs> to read God's word, to know it, to pray, to go out on mission, to come along to church, to hear God's word, and live each day fighting the spiritual battle in the Lord's strength. Strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Let me draw this all together now in terms of Halloween. Some of you will want nothing to do with it. Perhaps you come from a culture, Halloween, what's that? Don't know. Perhaps some of you have dabbled in the occult before. You have some very negative experiences. You are not going to go near anything that to you seems to celebrate or glorify evil. Totally understandable. So, you'll decline the invites to the parties, and perhaps tomorrow night, you'll turn off all the lights in your flat, go in the back room, pretend you're not there, ignore the doorbell when they ring. You will still be vulnerable to the flaming arrows of the evil one. By yourself, in your room, with the lights off. And so you still need to put on the full armor of God. Others of you here will think Halloween is just some harmless fun. I think a year or so ago, some of the campus outreach team from the US were going to come to Sunday on Halloween dressed up for it because that's what they do in the US. I think before Chad said, hey, look, they don't really do that here in the UK. Of course, you don't want to be involved in anything that celebrates evil, but you're thinking, you know what, here's an opportunity to fit, you know, fit our feet with the gospel of peace. I'm going to go out, meet my friends and neighbors. Maybe there's an opportunity to speak about Jesus and how he banishes away all the darkness. Again, totally understandable position to take. But don't be naive to the devil's schemes through commercialization, through a harmless bit of fun, the devil is so subtle. Those schemes mean wiles. He's cunning. He masquerades as an angel of light. You still need to put the full armor of God on. 
Others here may be somewhere in the middle. You're not wanting to completely ignore Halloween on the one hand, but you don't want to be seen um, to be going along with it all. And so you want to redeem Halloween for the gospel. Hey, All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Eve. Yes, let's celebrate Christ's victory over the darkness. Let's have a light party for the kids. I found out this week that some people have hallelujah parties. Not Halloween, hallelujah. I don't know if that's you, you're going for that. You still need to put the full armor of God on because the devil is doing his stuff, whatever the context and whatever the position you take. So wherever we're coming from on this, whatever our views are on Halloween, whether we should participate in it or not, and let's be gracious if we disagree with that amongst the church family, please, please do not forget the most important and most fundamental point of all. That the devil is real, that he's at war with us, and we need to prayerfully put on the full armor of God, not just tomorrow night, but every single day and night of the year and every single moment of your life until that final day when we see Jesus Christ face to face in all his honor and glory and power, only then will we be finally free from all the devil's schemes. So let me pray that we'd put the full armor of God on now. Let me pray. Father God, we thank and praise you for your word. And we thank you that it gives us all the truth we need about all aspects of life and certainly when it comes to Halloween and thinking about that, how to engage with that. Wherever we're coming from in our own personal view with Halloween, please would you help each and every one of us to see with the eyes of our heart the spiritual realm is real, the devil is real, there's a spiritual war being waged. Thank you that Jesus Christ has won the victory that he has paid for sin, that he has defeated death, that he has disarmed the rulers and authorities and and help us, therefore, to stand firm in him. Put on this full armor of God in word and prayer, in mission as we come together as a church. Please, would we be protected? Please, you help us not to worry or fear unnecessarily, but then stand firm every moment of our lives. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.